All right, so um, week two of Self-ish, this is a series that we started last week. Um, just to kind of, again, if you weren't here, let me catch you up, just explain to you kind of what this whole word means. So ish is kind of big in our culture right now. Ish, if you look it up, it's actually in the dictionary, and here's what it means. It means to some extent. Okay, so if I said to you, I'll meet you at 730-ish, what I'm saying is, I really have no idea when I'll get there, but we'll shoot for 7.30, right? So um, it's kind of a buffer. It's kind of my way of saying, like, I get, if I get there at 7.45, you can't really be mad at me because I said 7.30-ish. See what I'm saying? So um, I, the point here is, in Christ, we know from 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we know we are new creations. It's clear. The Bible is clear that the old is gone. Everybody say, has gone. That's good, right? The old is gone and the new has come. That's a, that's a very specific promise. In Christ, we are, we're made new. We know that. So our old nature was selfish. Our new nature in Christ is unselfish. But there's this in-between. Have you noticed this in your life where we're kind of like, we're not really that and we're not really that. We're not really selfish. We're kind of self-ish. Like, to some extent, we've killed the old man, but to some extent, we haven't. So this is a three-week series, and we're talking about three very specific things in our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus. If we have these three things operating in our lives, it helps us with this transformation. Now, we use the word transformation a lot. We don't use the biblical word a lot. The biblical word for transformation is sanctification. Like, when's the last time you walked up to somebody and said, I see that you've really been sanctified, right? Like we don't, that just doesn't roll off our tongue, right? So we say things like, you've really changed. Or I see, like we, last week we talked about Transformation Tuesday. We post a picture from two, you know, like four years ago. We post a picture now, and people are like, wow, the transformation's amazing. But they don't say, I can see that sanctification is really rubbing off on you, right? Like we, don't, we don't use that word, but in the Bible, sanctification is the process of us becoming like Jesus. Are you with me? We just use words like transformation and changed. So what we said last week is that like in worship, that's what we talked about last week, worship is actually what the Bible says. When we worship, what we just did just now, singing is part of worship. It's not the only way to worship. You're worshiping right now as well by listening to the word. You'll worship on the way out when you drop offerings in. You'll worship later when you tip your server. I mean, worship is seeing Jesus. And being with Jesus. And here's why that's so important. The big idea from last week. We become like what we worship. Right? Not knocking football fans. I'm one of them. But today, all over the country, crazy people who should keep their shirts on will pull them off and paint them with body paint. And we will all be like, that's awesome. No, it makes you want to vomit. Like, put your shirt back on. Right? Like, they, and they paint them in what color? Their favorite team's color, right? We become like, I'm not saying if you're a fan that you're worshiping football, but some people do, and we become like what we worship. Let's say that you um, worship money. Your life will revolve around it. You will become like what we worship. And this is so, this is so important. Everybody worships something. You are a worshiper. The question is, who or what are you worshiping? And if we become like what we worship, we better make sure that we worship the right person. So what we learned last week is that worship is just seeing and being with Jesus. 
We looked in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it said that as I behold him, I become like him, right? So when we worship, it helps us transform from being selfish to unselfish. So in this little selfish area, worship is one thing that propels us from the old man to the new man. You with me? That was a long recap. But you did great. Now to today. Full disclosure, don't throw things at me. Please don't judge me. Sometimes I say to God, I could, I could become like you more, faster, more, faster. That's awful. I could become like you faster if I could just worship you and not have to be around people. I'm assuming by your laughter that I'm not the only one here that thinks that sometimes. Like sometimes I'm like, God, you've done such a work in me. If you could just pick me up and put me on my own island and I don't have to deal with anybody, just just me and you, Jesus, just let me worship you, just me and you, Jesus. And what we're going to find out today is that's not God's plan for you. And so today we're talking about community. Holy cow, community. And I want you to learn today that community is not singing kumbaya around a campfire, right? Now some of you are like, what is kumbaya? Google it. I know you don't know how to spell it. Figure it out, right? It's this old song that people used to sing around a campfire. It's like some have a guitar. They start playing a guitar. and Everybody starts singing Kumbaya. And it's like this moment. That's not what community is. Community, what we'll find today, is forging real relationships in the fire. That's community. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Can you um, just picture iron sharpening iron? I'm seeing sparks. I'm seeing heat. Um, a lot of noise. There's a collisions. This is um, not like peaceful unicorns and butterflies, right? Community is sometimes like a clash of people in the same room that don't see eye to eye. And God begins to use one another, sharpen each other. So this morning, what I want you to see is how community can help us become less selfish and more transformed to be like Jesus. Okay? A couple points and a couple passages. Here's the first point. You and I, we were not made to live by ourselves. We weren't made to live by ourselves. Um, anybody in the room ever gone on a rant? Oh, and y'all are honest about it. You're like, yeah, I did. I'm going to do it right now again. I love it. Like, I volunteer, give me the mic. I got a rant in me now. On the way to church. In church. Yeah. We can, we can relate to rants, right? So there's this book in the Bible. This, this is really good, especially those of you who are like, I don't like to read the Bible because I can't relate to it. You'll relate to this book if you got a rant in you. Ecclesiastes is a book that is basically a rant, okay? So it's Solomon. And he's towards the end of his life, and he's looking back over his life, and he just kind of goes on this rant. Like, I see this, and I see this, and I see this. And he's like, it's all meaningless. That's a rant. Now, listen, it's in the Bible, so we can learn from Ecclesiastes, right? So what I want you to understand is this. First of all, it's in the Bible because God understands when we have to have a rant. He also wants to transform us from that. Just think that's really important. It's not like God understands me. Yeah, he also wants to, he wants to change you. He understands you and understands that that's not your best you, right? So we're going to transform that. But Ecclesiastes is in the Bible so we can all go, oh, thank God. He won't kill me 
for having real emotions, right? So there's some of the things in Ecclesiastes, this is what I want to warn you about. You can read it and go, well, everything in Ecclesiastes must be true and good because it's in the Bible. No. Not everything that's in Ecclesiastes is true or good because it's in the Bible. It's just what a man truly experienced, and as God was moving on him to to be inspired to write the Bible, it was included. Some of it is good for us, and what we're going to read first is, and then later we'll come back to a passage, we'll read it, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. That's like a total rant, and I probably shouldn't do that. But we can learn from it, okay? Are you with me? So here's the first point. We weren't made to live by ourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 Verses 9 through 12. It says this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Does anybody remember back in the day, I've fallen and I can't get up? Remember that commercial? It's still out there. I mean, like they've updated it, but it's still the same line. I've fallen and I can't get up. And every time I see it, I I laugh. Every time. And I just feel like God's up in heaven going, yeah, you keep laughing, buddy. <laughs> yeah. One of these days you're going to be like, I'm falling and I can't get up. And I won't have a life alert. It'll be, yeah. anyway, I pray that, <laughs> I'm just praying that God is gracious when that day comes. You know, he doesn't like sit back and go, well, you know, you reap what you sow, buddy. <laughs> I mean, Give me grace, God. Anyway, okay, well, let's just focus. Here we go. Verse 11. So that's what he's saying, like, it's bad if you fall and you have nobody to help you up. Verse 11, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. (laughs) When I was a youth pastor, (laughs) I used to tell our teenagers that that was the hayride verse. Because if you go on a hayride and you're cold, but if you lay down together, (laughs) and I was like, wait, no, don't do that. You can't lay down together. Sit up straight. Show me your hands. (laughs) Anyway, likewise, two people lying together together can stay warm. But who can, how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm just things in my head I can't say. Um, three, <laughs> three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. If you're taking notes, let me just give you four quick takeaways from these four verses. We're not going to dive deep into this. You can study this on your own, but four things that community does. Verse nine, community helps us. Verse 10, community heals us. Verse 11, community warms us. And verse 12, community protects us. Basically, what we learn in these verses is that community is the answer for loneliness. Loneliness is a hard thing. I I was doing some research for this message, and I found two studies, and these blew my mind. Okay, so the first study. First study I found... They studied like a couple hundred thousand people, and they found this to be true. Low social connection, meaning like you're not in a network connected to people, low social connection carries a similar risk of premature death equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So if you just have low social interaction, I'm not judging people that smoke. I'm just saying we would all agree 15 cigarettes a day, probably not good for you, right? So... And even smokers would say, yeah, I, I, that's why I'd like to quit. So what they found was just low social interaction was, was just as risky for your life expectancy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Second study, which was not a couple hundred thousand. This was like a few million people. They studied a few million people, and here's what they found. 
you know that loneliness is a feeling, right? It's an emotion. And then actual isolation physically is the physical isolation. Here's what they found. If you feel lonely and are also isolated physically, you have a greater chance of dying early than either of these three things. Obesity, physical inactivity, or air pollution. Blew my mind. Like, we have public service announcements about those three things. Like, we recognize if, if you have those three things in your life, you might die early. But who's talking about isolation? Who's talking about loneliness? And if you put those together, you've increased your chance of dying early more than those three. I'm going to say this, that God thought of this long ago. And he knew what he was talking about. Genesis 2, verse 18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I want to set this straight. That verse has been hijacked to be about marriage. And it's not. That's a verse about community. It's a verse about relationships. Here's how I know. Number one, let's put it to the test. If this is a verse just about marriage, then everybody in this room who's single, you're settling for, God's, for less than God's best for your life. But how can that be true if Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said in Romans, in, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 7 through 8, he said it's actually better not to marry. So Paul says, hey, if you can do without getting married, don't do it. If you're married and you agree with that, shh. Singleness is not less than marriage. Singleness is a season, and marriage is a season. You know what's really funny to me? Now that I'm a pastor, I get to talk to a lot of people. How people who are in one season wish they were in the other. Single people are like, I just want to get married. And married people are sometimes like, why did I get married? I know, I know they don't tell you that. I'm telling you the things I hear, right? <laughs> like, is there any way out? <laughs> I want to be single again. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> They're just seasons. And no matter what season you're in, you need to have community. That's the point. So God says it's not good for man to be alone. And do you know what God did right after he said that? He created every animal that we know. And he said to Adam, look at all the animals and pick out one that's good for you. And what did Adam say? I can't find one. I can't find one. See, it, it, it's not about marriage. It's about relationship. It's not good for man to be alone. So God creates all the animals. He says, just let's find somebody to be with you. And that didn't work out. Well, let's pull the rib out, and, and now you can, be, you can be with somebody. I, I love, too, <laughs> the difference between companionship and relationship companionship and community because there's a there's a rampant um i'm gonna say scourge that's a big word isn't it scourge would be like something we really need to get rid of because scourge just sounds bad doesn't it just everybody just go scourge it just sounds bad like nobody says i'd like some scourge for dessert you know <laughs> scourge is like so what is this scourge right there's a scourge in the church and here's what it is just me and jesus I see me and Jesus. Just, just me and Jesus. We got a good thing going on. Oh, and maybe me, Jesus, and a dog. I like dogs. Cats, eh. I think they might be from the devil, but 
If you like cats, that's cool. Praying for you. But I know people, and they're like, I just need Jesus and a dog. I need Jesus and a cat. I need Jesus and a snake. What in the world is that even about? You need Jesus and a devil. That's crazy, right? I need Jesus and a horse. I need Jesus and a what? Like, I know a lot of people who have pets, and they think that that's community. But it's not. What he's talking about here is human interaction. We need each other. And this scourge is like, if I could just have God, if I could just have Jesus, and maybe a pet, I don't need anybody else. That's a lie from the devil. We need one another. It was crazy. What's crazy is how smart animals are. Like, animals are smarter than we are. Animals even know that they need each other. We've got some pictures, I think. Um, Here's the first one. I think that this is a lizard helping a lizard not die. I think that's what it is. Can we, we've got a few more. Uh, yeah, that's so sweet. Now listen, can we, can, we hold, can we hold it there for a second? Just hold it there. I don't want to be the bottom cat, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> right, I don't want to be that cat. But I, I love that they're helping each other, and I think we've got one more. <laughs> listen, the thing is, Even animals understand that at some point we need one another. But yet we, as humans, we want to believe that we can live by ourselves. We weren't made to live by ourselves. you got to have people. you got to have people in your lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 talks about the body of Christ. It says that we're all members of the body of Christ and that Jesus has placed us. God has placed us. Like, he didn't, like, randomly throw you out. He's placing you where he wants you to be. When people become members at the gathering, we call it being planted. Because we don't feel like it's actually, like, something that you would just randomly do. And then, well, I didn't really like the way Paul preached today. I'll just go check another church. Because to do that, you'd have to uproot yourself. Like, it's a big deal. God places us in the body. I, when I read that verse in Corinthians, I always think of Red Rover, Red Rover. Remember that game that we used to play, but now you can't because it's dangerous? <laughs> All the fun stuff's gone. All the games that break people's bones, you can't do them anymore. <laughs> like, we would, like, Red Rover, like, and I remember in, in, like, school, I always wanted to be near the strongest person in the class. And in elementary school, it's always a girl. Always. So, like, I wanted to hold her hand, right? You know, like, not romantically, but, like, just so we would win the game. And so, like, what, if you could picture, and we won't, I won't pull all of you up here, but if we had a long line of people and we were all holding hands, community is what makes up the difference. Community is the gap, and it fills the gap. We could all stand there. We could even put our hands out and not touch. Pretty sure they're going to run through it, especially if they'd run through my hand. But when we grab hands and hold and lock arms, that, I'm trying to flex my muscle to really get the point across. Am I doing it? (laughs) You're like, are you flexing? (laughs) Well, yes, I was, but we'll move on. (laughs) Oh, God. So good Wendy's not here today. She's back helping with the kids. Anyway, um, this this is where community is. So God places you in the body and he says, you're not here for yourself. You're not here to live by yourself. You're in community. Grab those hands, lock arms, and be a part of the body. We need 
one another. So let, let me wrap this first point up like this. Um, you remember the hayride verse? How can one lie? How can one keep warm if he's by himself? But if they lay down together, they can keep warm. So I'm going to say this. The enemy, it's not on the screen. You have to write this down if you want to. The enemy wants to isolate us, but the Father wants to insulate us. Not insulate us from the world. You know, I don't mean like getting a holy huddle and we've got a good thing going and no bad people should ever come here. No, no, please. Like all bad people welcome, right? Like, yes, please. But insulate us. Like there's protection for our soul. You know, this morning, I don't know if it was the song list or if it was just that you guys are in a good mood because it's not like, you know, 127 degrees anymore. But I just, as we were singing, I barely could hear these guys because I could hear y'all. And as, you, as we were singing, now look, we could have all been in our houses this morning separately, drinking coffee in our pajamas and singing worship songs. But we came together. We have community here. And as you were singing, guess what was happening in my soul? I was just warm. Does that make sense? Like my soul was just like, I like this. We should do this like every week. Oh, we do every week. But I was loving it. Like it just was like, that's the kind of insulation we're talking about, right? He wants to insulate our soul, and he uses community to do that. The enemy wants to isolate us. Hey, psst, come over here. You don't really need those people, right? The, how does the enemy isolate us? Well, here's the philosophy. You do you. You do you. I'll do me. God's like, no. We do we. That's community. And it's iron sharpening iron. We weren't made to live by ourselves. Community addresses that. So remember I told you that Ecclesiastes was a rant? Some of y'all haven't heard a word I've said since then because you're, you're reading it right now. You open up version and you're reading it going, he's serious. It's a rant. Um, flip back to Ecclesiastes 4. So we read verses 9 through 12. So now we're going to go backwards, and we're going to read verses 7 through 8 just to kind of set up this second point. And this is, what, this is what Solomon wrote. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. So when he says meaning, you know, this is going to be a rant. He's going to be like, this isn't even worth doing. Here it is, verse 8. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? And then Solomon says it's also meaningless and depressing. <laughs> Not very encouraging at all, right? What is Paul saying? I mean, what is Solomon saying? Here's what Solomon's saying. He said, this is a man who has worked his entire life to collect as much stuff as he can for himself. And at the end of his life, he realizes, what have I been doing? i got all this stuff, and I have nobody to share it with. He says it's meaningless. A man who's alone, it's meaningless. So just like we weren't made to live by ourselves, second truth, we also were not made to live for ourselves. We don't live by ourselves, and we don't live for ourselves. And so when we understand this, what we'll start to realize is that community is the answer for selfishness. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this today 
Because next Sunday we're going to talk about the third piece, which is serving. And serving is all about this, right? It's all about, like, serving people and being selfless and loving them and not being selfish. And so it keeps us from being this man who just works and gets stuff for himself. But I want to set it up today. So I need you to go to Romans. Romans chapter 14. I'm just going to give you two quick verses, two quick passages just to set this up. We weren't made to live for ourselves um, Sometimes people are like, where do you come up with those points? And I answer, by reading the Bible. Look at this first verse, Romans 14, 7. For we don't live for ourselves. Oh, that's where he got it. We don't live for ourselves. We're not made to live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Next chapter over, Romans 15, verses 1 through 6. Paul writes this. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not please just ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ did not live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Verse 5, may God, who gives this patience and encouragement, Help you live in complete, everybody say complete. Not kind of in harmony, not harmony-ish, but in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Okay, not to make people feel bad who might be in the room who have not given their hearts to Jesus, because you could change that today. But those of you who are followers of Jesus, would you just raise your hand? You're followers of Jesus. Like, even if you don't think you're a good one, right? You're followers of Jesus. Do you know that I just read God's will for you? Verse 5. He wants you to live in complete harmony with each other because that's what's fitting for followers of Jesus. In other words, what Paul's saying is when the believers can't get along, that doesn't look good on believers. That's not fitting for believers. Community is fitting for believers. It's how God helps us be less self-ish because we have people in our lives who help us grow and help us become completely in harmony with one another. And he says that looks good on believers. I don't know what your favorite outfit is. I'm older now, so my favorite outfits tend to be like jeans with holes in them and T-shirts with holes in them. But every now and then, you ever put something on and somebody just goes, Man, that looks, that looks good on you. You ever worn a color and somebody said, that color, dude, that's your color. You know, if somebody ever told me that was my color, I'd be like, I'd buy everything I could in that color. <laughs> everything possible, right? The sad thing is that Wendy tells me that yellow is my color. So I'll just be a big banana walking around, right? But, but I am rocking this banana outfit. You know, the man with the yellow hat. Check it out, right? But, like, when somebody says that looks good on you, doesn't it just make you kind of sit up a little straighter? And what Paul's saying is complete harmony looks good on you as a believer. It's what's fitting for a follower of Christ. Verse 6, then, which means after that, all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so just to give some quick context, so I just read you a couple of passages that are in the middle of a really tough chapter or two 
where Paul's addressing preference. He's addressing the believers in Romans who some of them think, well, I can eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And some of them are like, no, you can't. And you better not. And yes, I can. I'm free. And what's wrong with you? And like, you can just kind of see where this goes. Now, how many of you this morning ate meat sacrificed to idols? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. We can't relate to that, right? So can we just use one example? And full disclosure, I'm, I'm, it's not, there's no agenda here. I'm just using an example that I think all of us in our culture can relate to. There is alcohol everywhere in our culture, right? Is that a fair statement? I mean, everywhere. No judgment, just saying, making a statement. Like, everywhere. So some people that are Christians are like, you can't drink. And others are like, yes, I can <laughs> Some think it's okay and some think it's bad. Now, most every Christian I know will agree that you should never get drunk because the Bible's clear about that, right? But the Bible's not as clear about whether you can have a glass of wine or not. And so sometimes what will happen is people that are free will drink a glass of wine, and people who aren't free might think that the people who are free don't look so much like Jesus. And it can turn into these squabbles, Right? And so check this out. Paul wrote the exact opposite of what we do. He said, those of you who are mature in your faith should lay down your rights so you don't cause those who aren't mature to stumble. We do the exact opposite. I'm going somewhere. Hang with me. I hope you come back next week because it will all wrap up and it will be fantastic. What we do, Paul, what we do is we say, oh, well, I'm free. I'm, I'm free. I'll, I'll drink this glass of wine. And somebody's like, well, time out. I don't know. Should Christians do that? Oh, you just must not be free yet. Well, I'll be praying for you that you get free. You know, I don't even know how to do that because I don't, how do you, I don't even know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I have no clue. I have no idea. We, we want them to grow up to our level, and the gospel is that Jesus came down to ours. Oh, that's, that can't be right, Paul, because that doesn't sound fun. I know. Remember back when we started this sermon, and I talked about Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen and iron sharpens iron? I think about that verse a lot. I just wonder, like, what was going on in that verse? Um, was it like two friends coming together and saying, hey, let's just sharpen our swords? Or is it possible that one person picked up a sword <laughs> to hurt the person who wrote the proverb, and they just happened to have a sword, and they stopped them, and then like they started having a sword fight, and all of a sudden they realized their swords were sharper. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't stick me. Do you know what? Sometimes the reason we don't have community is because we don't want people to stick us. But community is hard, y'all. It's intentional, not accidental. It's not an excuse to get together and have fights, but it's intentional. Like we're going to live our lives together even in the areas where we don't agree with one another, and that's going to be what makes us stronger. And that's what this whole passage in Romans is all about. And what Paul was saying was, man, if you get to the place where you can embrace that, then you're going to begin to find complete harmony with one another.
And that is what's fitting for followers of Jesus. And then we accomplish the greater goal. And the greater goal is that he receives glory for it. So I was like playing around with big ideas, you know, trying to think of something cute and witty. Here's what I got. What unites us is more important than what excites me. I thought it was good, too. I'm glad that one of us agrees. I felt like I preached better than that, but I'm going to give people a pass. <laughs> Let's use one more example. Worship or hymns. Praise courses or hymns. You know, I don't know if you can relate to having bad Mondays. Anybody ever have a bad Monday? I'm not necessarily anticipating a bad Monday tomorrow, but it is Monday tomorrow. And the Panthers are without Cam. And I, anyway, who knows what's going to happen there. And the Cowboys are 2-0, and and it just gets worse. Um, but shout out to the Cowboys for being 2-0. and Oh, that was hard to say. Um, <laughs> sometimes on my worst Mondays, what I love, I actually like hymns. On my worst Mondays, I get to the end of the day and I'm like, that hymn, Great Is Thy Faithfulness? Dude, that thing will rock at the end of a hard Monday. It is well with my soul. Shall we gather at the river? <laughs> all fly away. I mean, like all these things, just like these hymns that we rarely ever sing anymore, but they all come flooding back to me. But like on my, on my good days, dude, I'm all Hillsong and Bethel. You know, like, you are good. Bam, good. You know, like, it's... The point here is, like, we have preferences, and the body of Christ is never going to grow in community if what excites me is more important than what unites us. We have to flip it. I have to begin to say, you know what? If we came in here five Sundays in a row and only sang hymns, I mean, I'm still going to sing. I'm not going to know most of them, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And it's going to be okay. And it's going to unite us. But if we came in here five weeks, in, well, shoot, every week, and just sang Hillsong, Bethel, whatever, it doesn't mean that, like, we can't even do that and ignore other people's, like, what if we just threw a hymn in there once in a while? See what I'm saying? Like, it's all about unity and preferring one over the other, you over me. It can't be about my preference. We'll never build community that way. And so iron sharpening iron is actually us staying in the room when we disagree. It's not just being in the room. It's staying in the room. Now, I'm not preaching this because we have disagreements that I know of, but we will. How do we know that? Well, we're breathing, right? <laughs> That's it. We're breathing. We're human. Like if you're just two people in a room, you're going to have a little bit of a disagreement. Shoot, I can be in a room by myself and have a disagreement, right? It's just, it's just normal. we got to wrap this thing up. If I live by myself and for myself, I'll never overcome myself. That's one reason why we're still self-ish. Because we tend to live by ourselves and for ourselves. And we'll never overcome ourselves. We actually, I need people in my life. Oh, my goodness. I need people in my life to say, mm, nice try, but you could do this. 
and it can be even better. Don't raise your hand, especially if some of you are sitting next to, but do you have people in your life? They're just like sandpaper to you. Oh, we had a little bit too much crowd participation there, didn't we? <laughs> Reaching behind them. <laughs> we all have people like that. We've all got people like that. And I want to just submit this, that if they're believers, God, well, even if they're unbelievers, God can use them. But if they're believers and they're in this community, do you know what their purpose is? To do just what they're doing. Their purpose is to make sure that all of us become the best that we can be. And that we have true unity that's fitting for followers of Jesus. And if they weren't doing that, then we might never quite get over ourselves. Some cliches to end the morning. Because you can never have enough cliches. We're better together. How do you spell team? T-E-A-M. What's it mean? Together, everyone achieves. Oh, I thought we'd have more participation there, right? Like, they're cheesy, but they're, they're cliches because they're true. We really are better together. I really am better because you're here. And I think you're better because I'm here, right? I was praying, and I was like, God, um, I need a good closing story of community. So I actually Googled good closing story of community, and I didn't find anything. And, and I, I was like a little frustrated, like, I need a closer. I need, a, I need something really good, you know. And then God just said, why, Paul, why are you looking outside of your own community for a powerful story of community? When, when I've done so much at the gathering. And he reminded me of Amy. And a lot of you don't, didn't know Amy. But Amy came to our church and we were in the coffee shop. And Amy was, um, I'm trying to think how to describe Amy. She's just Amy. You know, Amy is the only person that's ever cussed me out in church. Like, um, I think she probably cussed me out multiple times while I was preaching. And I didn't hear that. But she would come to me, like, multiple times, y'all. After church, she'd take me back in the alley. You don't want to go in the alley with Amy. You know, she, and she would let me have it, usually talking about y'all. Like, she would just rant and cuss and just, I mean, wow. And I would just kind of, i just start laughing, and that would make her mad. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at her. I was just laughing because, like, I really loved Amy. And... She would just say, well, I'm never coming back. This, and she'd say a bunch of words I can't say, church. And, and she, she'd just start turning to walk away. And I would just I'd smile at her and I'd say, well, I mean, Amy, we'll, we'll miss you. I'll, I'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> and she might be gone a couple Sundays. And she'd come back. And she wouldn't come back like, I'm sorry. This is how Amy would return. I say, it's good to have you back, Amy. <sighs> I ain't nowhere to go. <laughs> she was in a community group, John Ball's community group, and they met in a, in a house that had, like, these big windows at the front. They'd have, like, meeting in the living room. And she would just, sometimes he said, she'd just get up and walk out the door. I mean, 
Get up, walk out the front door. She can't drive. She had no car. She'd walk out. Yeah. Or, and he said sometimes she'd just walk out and just, like, be out in the yard pacing. And they're having a community group going, just watching Amy. <laughs> and then she would come back in. And they'd be, they'd be like, uh, yo, are you good? <laughs> I had to go pray for y'all. I really miss Amy. I mean, she's, she's not missing us. You know, she's not in heaven going, I sure wish I was at the gathering. <laughs> she might be in heaven going, I'm not sure I want all them here. I don't, I don't know. But I tell you what, man, that's community. Community is getting cussed out as the pastor and just loving just loving. And, and I want to say that she, cha- she did change. She changed, but I changed. I'm the better one because of Amy. And if community for us looks like a bunch of people in the room that look the same, that's not community. You'll never have community with people like you. You'll ne- they'll never be sandpaper to you. They'll never be a- another sword sharpening you. You only get that by intentionally being in a room with people who aren't like you. You get that by being a Trump hater who hangs out with a Trump liker. You get that by being a blue devil with a tar heel. Right? Well, I might be pushing it, but <laughs> I'm kidding. No, yeah, I'm kidding. You got to be with people who don't think like you. So you can learn how to have conversations about Jesus and learn that Jesus is able to save people who aren't like you. And when that happens, oh, my goodness. When that happens, verse 6, Romans chapter 15, verse 6, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.